BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Welcome to the Science of Success with your host, Matt Bonner. Welcome to the Science of Success. I'm your host, Matt Bodner. I'm an entrepreneur and investor in Nashville, Tennessee, and I'm obsessed with the mindset of success and the psychology of performance. I've read hundreds of books, conducted countless hours of research and study, and I'm going to take you on a journey into the human mind and what makes peak performers tick with a focus on always having our discussions rooted in psychological research and scientific fact, not opinion. In this episode, we discuss how to master the universal skills required to succeed at work. The counterintuitive truth of taking more responsibility for your own mistakes, flaws, and screw-ups, and how that can help you succeed more quickly. We look at how to cultivate and create accountability in your life. Challenge yourself to rise to a higher level and become more vulnerable. We talk about the Benjamin Franklin effect and much more with our guest Pete Mokaitis. The Science of Success continues to grow with now more than a million downloads, listeners in over 100 countries hitting number one new noteworthy and more. Do you want to stay up to date with the latest of the Science of Success? Find out what we've been reading and get the quick tips you need to achieve your goals. Be sure to sign up for our email list to get our exclusive Mindset Monday email, where we share with our listeners quick summaries of of a few of the latest research bits, strategies, and more that have us fired up and can help you achieve your goals. All you have to do to sign up is to visit our website, successpodcast.com, and join our email list, or text the word SMARTER to the number 44222. That's S-M-A-R-T-E-R to the number 44222. In our previous episode, we asked, can and should we set aside our emotions to make decisions in huge, high-stakes environments? We looked at how to channel and listen to our emotions to make even better decisions. We talked about learning from negative emotions, how historical echoes in our life can create repeated behavior patterns, and much more with our guest, Denise Schull. If you want to be able to make the right decision in high-pressure situations, listen to that episode. 
Lastly, if you want to get all the incredible information, links, transcripts, everything we're going to talk about in this show and from our previous shows, be sure to check out our show notes. Just go to successpodcast.com. That's right. We have a new website, successpodcast.com, and hit the show notes button at the top. Today, we have another great guest on the show, Pete Makaitis. Pete is an award-winning trainer focused primarily on helping professionals perform optimally at work. He's delivered one-on-one coaching to over 700 clients across 50 different countries and every Ivy League school. He currently hosts the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast, which has listeners in over 150 countries and has been ranked as a top five career podcast on iTunes. Pete, welcome to the Science of Success. Oh, thanks, Matt. I'm thrilled to be here. Well, we're very excited to, uh, to have you on here today. So for listeners who might not be familiar with you and, and your podcast, tell us about your story. Oh, my story. Yes. Well, it begins as a youngster at the Danville Public Library in Illinois, where I grew up. And my dad would always take me there when I knew I wanted to sort of escape the home, you know, get a little bit of cabin fever you know, what parent can resist a child saying, I want to go to the library, daddy. And so, and so we went and I, I got into a little bit of a groove where I would take an interest in a topic. Maybe it's photography, maybe it's chess. I would read numerous books on that topic. And suddenly I discovered, Hey, I'm taking better photos. Hey, I'm suddenly beating my dad at chess. And so that kind of cemented this notion early on that books, that knowledge make you better at stuff. And then I discovered this realm of books associated with uh, success and positive psychology stuff. So I'm so digging your show and, and delighted to be on here. And I thought, whoa, these are books that just make you better at living life. And so that interest sort of stuck forever. And I, I went on to, to college and then strategy consulting at Bain. And then I left Bain thinking, you know what I really want to do is the people development thing. So I've been doing training and coaching and then over the last year getting going with the how to be awesome at your job podcast. So when you were when you were a kid or even maybe a little bit older than that, what was the book that you stumbled upon or read that kind of set you off on on this course and really opened your eyes? You know, it, it's funny. I don't think I can give credit to just one, but I also remember a lot of it was audio. It was in there are audio cassette tapes at the time. You could get the CD or the cassette, but you know, libraries are often a, a little behind with some of the, the latest stuff. So I would have a little boombox cassette tape player strapped into the passenger seat of my Chevrolet Celebrity, a vehicle that I was driving at the time. And so what I think I remember one about goals from Zig Ziglar, and he always he had that southern accent. He'd talk about goals. And I, I was into it. I was like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I should write them down. I should focus on some things. And then we got the Stephen Covey and the Tony Robbins, and it just kept going. Dude, the old uh, the old Zig Ziglar stuff, and you can you can actually still find a bunch of it on uh, Audible. Is just amazing. Like his, you can read his books, but it's so much better. He's such a fascinating speaker and a really interesting guy. I feel like you really get a lot more out of it. Actually, kind of hearing him speak and tell the stories. Oh yes, and and his voice is just so musical and and fun to listen to. It's like, but what else you got, Zig? Let's keep it going. So you kind of got into some of these books and, and they really opened your eyes. What do you think, what, what were, you know, what were some of those initial lessons that, that you said kind of, wow, this is, this is really something that has some meat to it. 
Well, I think one of my favorite lessons came from Tony Robbins in his book, Unlimited Power, when he talked about, you know, your emotions are not so much something that just happened, like that you're just a, a victim of your emotions. Like you can actually exert a degree of control over how you feel in a given moment by holding your body differently, taking up more space and being confident and, you know, shoulders back straight up instead of compressed by what you're thinking about or visualizing in terms of if you're thinking about success or, you know, terrible memories of failure and how you're talking to yourself from let's do this, bring it on. Oh yeah. Tony would, you know, smack his chest and, and all the, the antics there or, or like, Oh, this is going to be so lame. And so I think I just use that set of tactics probably hundreds of times in high school or college. Like, Oh, I'm kind of tired. I'm kind of bored. This is going to be lame. It's like, well, I don't feel like feeling that way. It'd be more helpful to be pumped up about this. So I'm going to choose to feel pumped up about this. And I was able to kind of pour myself into a lot of stuff and, and get better results in those things. And what are some of the, you know, I've, I've been to, to UPW, one of, one of Tony's events. Oh yeah. You You're a firewalker. Yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, you know, what were some of those for listeners who might not be familiar, like what are some of those activities you can do to kind of shift yourself from a state of, you know, being disempowered or upset or, or, or unmotivated to uh, a sort of a high energy state, or I forget the exact term that he uses for it. Peak state. Oh, peak state. yeah. Peak state. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it's funny if you check out some of those videos from the event and unleash the power within. I mean, Tony got some notoriety from doing a, a fire walk like over hot coals. And it's funny when I did that, I remember it was actually raining a lot. So my feet were chilly and it was like refreshing. Like, oh, that's nice. Can I just chill here for a second? Because <laughs> my feet are freezing as opposed to, you know, some mighty mind over matter thing. But his take would be to sort of just sort of be active and, and in motion. So maybe jumping up and down, maybe uh, pounding your chest. Like music will say things like make your move like a power move and like have air, you know, gushing past. And so if you, if you stumble into a video of this, it looks a little bit nuts. Like, Whoa, what is going on here? Is this some sort of cult activity? And, and so it's, it's not, it's just sort of a, a series of you know, professional personal development uh, tricks to kind of, you know, snap your body into uh, a peak state, as he would call it. And so and, and it doesn't have to be, you know, outrageous. It can happen a little bit subtly in terms of, oh, I'm slumping forward. I'm going to bring my shoulders back and, and, and take a breath here. I'm going to stretch my neck out a little bit. I, I'm focusing on what I'm afraid is going to happen from doing this thing. I'm going to shift my focus toward, you know, what I'd love to see happen with this thing. And, and suddenly you feel better. I don't know if this has happened to you, Matt, but sometimes I just kind of imagine a conversation and how it might go awry with someone. And then I'm almost like having a debate or a fight in my mind with this imaginary conversation. Like, well, if he says this, then I'm going to say that. But if he comes back with this, I'm like, oh, no, I'm going to come back with that. And suddenly I'm getting worked up. I'm getting anxious about a conversation that isn't even real just because I, I'm visualizing it. And you can just take a breath and say, time out. Let's let's refocus here. Well, let's let's dig into the, your podcast. What is the podcast about and what led you to create it? Oh, sure thing. So the title is How to Be Awesome at Your Job. And the it's funny, it started out as a little bit of a tagline talking to some branding design people and some prospective listeners such that it was sharpening the universal skills required to flourish at work. And so 
I thought, though, that's kind of catchy. That's what I'm up to. I want to produce a show that will be useful for anyone who's interested in flourishing in their career, whether they work in sales or accounting or marketing or, or finance, as opposed to you being focused in on a narrow spot. And, and as I discovered, looking at the landscape of podcasts, a lot of the development type stuff, you know, Matt, you probably saw the same thing as, as you were launching yours, had a focus toward, you know, entrepreneurship, you know, side hustle, sort of do your thing, live your dream, escape the, the cubicle world. And I thought, well, I think a lot of people like their jobs and, and, and find meaning and rewards from it and, and would just like to to do them better and to navigate their career well. So that actually turned out to be a, a key point of of differentiation. And, and most of the pitches I reject are tend to be like from an entrepreneurial story, like find out how so-and-so grew their business from 1 million to 8 million in just 18 months. It's like, well, that's really cool. But unless we're focused on some, you know, particular skills that apply to, to folks with, you know, quote unquote, real or normal jobs, then it's not quite a fit. So I love to talk to people about things like, you know, grit or purpose or communication or, or feedback or having a good uh, presence, uh, developing relationships that are, are mutually advantageous and, and those sorts of things, you know, whether you're working in, in high tech or, or mining or in finance or marketing, you're going to need to know that stuff to do well. It's such a good point, and and I, I feel like both of our our shows to some degree are are kind of in a different camp. You know, I some of the pitches we we kind of turn away from as well are those same entrepreneurial stories. And and as an entrepreneur, I'm really interested in them. But at the same time, I want to really focus on you know these deeper lessons and these kind of skills that transcend uh, one particular activity and can really be life skills that can help you across the board live a healthier, happier, more successful life. I agree. I'm into those. And you did a heck of a job sharing those on, on my show. Thanks again for that when it comes to decision making. And and that's something that everyone's got to do. And and it's very high leverage, as you'd say. It's it's so important to be high leverage. Um, well, I'd love to dig into some of these these universal skills. Tell me about the first one you mentioned, grit. I think that's something that's so important. Oh, certainly. Well, grit is just this notion that you're going to stick with something, uh, sort of maybe it's uncomfortable, maybe it's unpleasant for a period of time, but grit is just the capacity to, to step up and, and endure and, and work uh, through some of that. So we had a guest, Linda Kaplan-Thaler, who, who spoke about this, and, and Angela Duckworth is kind of the, the sort of top a thinker on the field uh, right now with her TED Talk and such. And it's just sort of an, an undervalued sort of a capability when, when many folks would say, well, no, it's about your IQ or it's about your talent. That's what's going to take you far. You know, a lot of the, the studies suggest that it's, it's the capability to, to pick yourself up one more time, to, to persist, to, to learn from your mistakes and, and adjust. That's really going to get the job done, you know, more so than being an exceptionally brilliant uh, coder or salesperson. That's, that's something that I fundamentally believe. In. And, you know, we've had um, Carol Dweck on the show in the past. Oh yeah. You know, she's one of the other, I mean, she's one of the other kind of people that it's not necessarily directly grit, but the lessons of mindset are so vital and so important to developing the ability to bounce back from failure and not let it define you and learn that it's an okay and necessary part of the journey towards whatever you want to achieve. 
It certainly is. And another thing that I think is related to that is just the courage required to to take a hard look at yourself, your skills, your strengths, your your shortcomings, and to to ask for that feedback and to see what's going well, what's going not so well, and how can you learn and grow and develop. One theme that's really popped up across many guests is a lot of folks in their careers, they're sort of paralyzed by fear. It's like the the elephant in the room and, and folks, they're afraid to, to maybe challenge a manager or a leader if, if that idea doesn't quite sit right to them. They're afraid to ask you know, where they can improve or, or what it takes to win and grow and flourish within this career. Uh, they're afraid to, to step into uh, some conflict with someone in terms of they say, hey, did you do what you said you were going to do? And well, well, what happened there? And to go there. And so I think there's just massive value being destroyed because folks, they're, you know, they're, they're natural kind of lizard brain limbic system survival mechanisms are, are running the show when ideally we, we take a breath and, and, and go to some places conversationally that may require a, a bit extra dose of courage, but can just unlock tremendous opportunity. There's a quote, this is one of my favorite quotes, and it's everything you've ever wanted is on the other side of fear. Oh, yes. Well said. And uh, I don't know, I don't remember who, who that quote's from, but, uh, but that, that one has always, to me, just been so powerful. You know, I buy it. And what's, what's fascinating is that this fear is not just for folks maybe at the individual contributor level, but also managers and, and some upper leaders. Like there's often fear associated with telling an employee a direct report, you know, what kinds of behavior needs to change. And so folks just live with uh, having the, the same you know, mistakes crop up over and over again, and then kind of uh, fixing or redoing work that a direct report uh, has to offer and instead of just being able to, to head on say, Hey, want to have a chat you know, about some, some things I've been noticing and their impact on, on, on us and our team. And, and to just be able to go there. It's like when you do this, th- these are the implications of that. And are, are you up for changing that? And it could be like a two minute conversation that just illuminates folks like, oh, wow, I had no idea. Or, you know, you're, you're right. I'm sorry. You know, that's something that's that's always been a weakness of mine. And, and, and so now you're in a, an empowered place to 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 go to work and, and see what you can do to develop. And, and it's a much more positive, fun uh, work experience for everybody. And that example really highlights one of the other themes that you talked about, which is communication. It's It's so important. And I feel like many people sort of take it for granted or don't even really think about it or think that they're communicating effectively when, when they're really, really struggling to communicate. What have you seen in terms of some of the lessons you've drawn about how to be a more effective communicator? Oh, well, there, there are many, and, and, I, and I teach a good number of them in my training programs. So I'm going to start with some strategy consulting tools, if I may. And, and one piece of that I'm thinking is, is just about answer-first communication. And so it's the difference is, whereas most of us tend to communicate in sort of a chronological fashion. So let's just say that I was doing some, some customer research and exploring some some market stuff and that's part of my job and and so i might convey uh, what happened 
from that research by saying, well, you know, I, I opened up our, our customer relationship management database and uh, I ran some filters associated with over the last couple of years where most of our sales have been coming from as opposed to where our marketing spend has been flowing. And what was kind of interesting is the ratios are really all over the place in terms of marketing spend, but revenue retrieved. And, and ultimately, it seems like it's the, the mom segment that seems to overwhelmingly give us the biggest return on our marketing dollar investment. So I've told a, a chronological story of what I did, which is natural because, you know, we're humans and we, we like to function with stories. But for a while, the first part of that, you know, you and, and listeners might say, OK, where, where are we going with this? Wait, do I care? What's what's the story? As opposed to if it were answer first, you would say overwhelmingly our marketing spend toward mothers is the most efficient. You know, I say so for three key reasons. The first, and then you sort of lay it out. And so that just has an effect to just sort of galvanize folks' attention and they're, they're kind of locked in. Now, if you happen to have a, a super compelling, engaging, intriguing story with a twist or, or, or something, well, that could be kind of fun to build tension in a kind of like a cinematic way. But most of the time, when you're just sort of conveying, you know, day in, day out business insights, that's a better way to go. And same thing with your... If you got some PowerPoint in the mix, having compelling slide headlines that just say what's the point as opposed to just labeling the data that are there, such as uh, overview of marketing spend and consumer reaction. A better headline would read, you know, mothers are the most efficient segment we should market to. And, and then they go, oh, interesting. Now I, I, I'm oriented to what I should be looking at. And then you sort of you know, cut through a lot of the ambiguity of, wait, what am I looking for? What's what's the the takeaway here? You get right to the heart of the matter in a hurry. So it's a focus on kind of getting to the point much more quickly instead of wasting a lot of time and energy with fluff, essentially. Certainly, and and often if it's if it's vague what your your point is in a, a set of data, everyone could just sort of look at it and and talk around it, and you know maybe that's interesting if you're kind of exploring you know new new ways and new directions and and trying to spark a kind of intriguing innovation. But if you're just trying to get the sense for hey, how did our call centers perform last month? You just go ahead and say it. You know, strong and proud and clear. You know, our, our handle time was exceeded all expectations over the last month. It's like, okay, got it. And so we can move on from that slide as opposed to everyone leaning in and squinting for a little bit to see what, what are we trying to say here? Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Hiring the right person takes time, time that you often don't have. But you shouldn't let a time crunch get in the way of finding the right candidates for your business. That's why LinkedIn is the best place to post your job. In fact, I was on LinkedIn Jobs this morning looking for candidates to fill a key role in one of my businesses. LinkedIn Jobs screens candidates with hard and soft skills you're looking for so that you can hire the right person quickly. 
You can look for things like collaboration, creativity, and adaptability, looking beyond just work skills and resumes to connect you with the candidates who are a perfect match for your business. That's how LinkedIn makes sure that your job post gets in front of the people you actually want to hire because they have a much better ability to get a deep insight into exactly who is the right candidate for you and your business. Find the right person meant for your business today with LinkedIn Jobs. You can pay what you want, and the first $50 is on them. Just visit linkedin.com slash success. Again, that's linkedin.com slash success to get $50 off your first job post. Terms and conditions apply. So what are some of the other communication strategies that you've seen or, or have, you know, kind of uncovered that have been really effective? Oh, sure thing. Well, I think part of it kind of flows from, you know, what I would call a sort of hypothesis driven thinking uh, within your communication so that, you know, rather than just sort of taking a look around and, and seeing what you see, you sort of, you know, convey right up front, you know, if, if I want to take an action, so let's say uh, acquire a company or, or something, you have a, a big strategic meeting about that sort of thing, well then it, it's often a more efficient means of communicating if you just sort of lay out right up front, okay, well, what things need to be true for this to be a good idea? And, and so then we, we get really focused on, on those things. And so, well, hey, thing one, is that the target we're looking at? It, it's healthy in terms of, you know, profit, sales, uh, growth, market position. You know, thing two is that we can get a, a reasonable price in, in terms of, of the acquisition of it. And, and thing three is that it'll, it'll fit nice complementarily with the, the other things that we're doing in this business. And so by doing that, you know, right up front, one, you use numbers, which tend to galvanize attention. It's wild. If I say there are three key things to discuss, uh, pens click and people write, oh, okay, one, two, three. I am listening and poised to hear what that is, and that you've identified that, that these are like the key drivers upon which this will hinge, like yes, no, good or bad news on these will determine if it's a go or no go, then you've done a, a great job of more efficiently communicating as well as more efficiently planning how you're going to go about thinking and researching you know, this move. I think that's a great point. And, and I love the question, what things need to be true for this to be a good idea? I've never, I've never heard that before. And it's definitely something I'm going to implement in my own thought process to sort of clarify what we should be focusing on. Well, I, it's so funny. And now it's like, it's so baked into how I think and operate about everything. As we speak, I am, I am standing at my sit to stand desk. And before I purchased it, I thought, okay, geez, that sounds cool. But I don't want to, you know, part with six hundred ish dollars just for a cool toy. You know, I want this to to really to work out. And so there there were sort of two key phases as like, well, what needs to be true in order for this to be true? And so, you know, I thought through it and, and laid those things out. Like, well, one, I'd say the the cost of this thing would need to be overshadowed by the benefits. So I, that's got to be true. Uh, two, uh, my space has to be able to to work for it to to fit it in just nice, just right and nicely. And, and three, you know, buying this desk will need to be superior to my alternative options from stacking boxes on my existing desk or just remaining seated. And so that I say, okay, well, if I could prove those three things, then I'll know that this is a, a sensible move. And then I think, well, how would I go about, about proving those? Like, well, for the space, just get a tape measurer. For the benefits and costs, I, well, 
you might dig this science of success. I went deep in terms of looking at studies that showed, you know, worker performance, you know, with sit to stand desks and, and, and what that meant. And I saw some pretty cool things associated with less fatigue and, and better mood. And I thought, well, shucks, that'll just free me up to do a little bit more work, which will create more than 600 bucks. That's, that's a great benefit exceeding the cost. And then, you know, just Googling around for other options, I could see it, what, how those sort of stacked up and, and that this one indeed looked like the best. And, and I recommend it. if folks are trying to, to develop some of these thought processes, I'd say anytime you're about to make a purchase, stop and, and go through those steps and say, well, what needs to be true for this purchase to be great? And then I like Amazon.com a lot. And it's like my entire order history represents a series of hypothesis-driven thinking moves. It's like, yes, I proved out the key things I needed. And so that's why I have this bamboo diffuser and lemon essential oil or, or whatever I, I've bought off Amazon. It it really adds up. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I totally uh, understand that. And I'm on the same page. I feel like I have Amazon boxes arriving in my house on almost a daily basis. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Um, it's just so much more convenient. Um, anyway, you know, back on uh, <laughs> communication, you know, one of the the best pieces of advice I've, I've ever heard about communication is, is really simple, but it's basically um, there's three types of communication, no communication, miscommunication and over communication. And uh, somebody once told me that piece of advice and it really stuck out to me and kind of helped me think about, okay, like a lot of times when you think you've told someone something or you think that they know something like it, it, it doesn't hurt to kind of go back and tell them again or, you know, reach out and over communicate because a lot of times things you think you've done or think you've said, they didn't really hear what you were saying or they didn't quite get it or they missed it or whatever it might be. Oh, yes. That's an interesting, you know, setup in terms of categories because I noticed none of them were a perfect communication. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's it's so you're either on the spectrum of not communicating, miscommunicating, or you're on the total other end, which is over communicating. And the reality is a lot of times when you, you know, if you if you don't feel like you're over communicating, you're probably not communicating enough. And there's probably wires getting crossed. There's probably things getting missed. And that's something we really try to drive home. Um, and, and, you know, and on our teams is is you have to constantly be over communicating, sharing information, telling people what you're up to, because it's really easy to kind of get lost in your own world and, and, you know, miss out on those, on those key things you needed to find out or tell somebody about. Absolutely. And, and I think this also comes back to the courage point in terms of the, the over communicating in terms of just understanding, you know, what is on each person's plate and is it acceptable to say no or, well, in order to do that, I'm going to have to give up, you know, A, B, C, or D. Is is that worthwhile? And because this is really the focus. And so the, the what often happens instead is that folks just say yes uh, to everything. And then, you know, balls get dropped, promises are, become unkept, and you're, you're kind of rolling the dice with, well, is, did the really important thing get done? Well, we, we hope so. Whereas if, if folks could, you know, courageously and openly communicate well in terms of, you know, these are the demands and these are the capacity we have to meet those demands, then you're, you're hitting the right stuff. That's something that I'm absolutely ruthless about is, is trying to be as efficient as possible or sorry, trying to be as effective as possible. <laughs> Key distinction in the, in the sort of the Tim Ferriss or so kind of essentialism 
way of thinking about it where it's all about how can I, how can I do the most important things, right? The most high leverage things and kind of let go of all of the minutia that's distracting me. Oh, absolutely. And to that point, uh, I, there's something that has really been sticking with me. It was a recent guest. It was my buddy, Shannon Clark, and, and she has very quickly risen to be uh, one of the world's foremost experts in sort of usability human factors design for medical devices uh, before 30, which is cool. But so Shannon said that what she's been chewing on lately is this notion that if you are stressed out currently in your role or career, then you will not be able to make the next step up. And I thought, well, that's a strong statement. But I, the more I think about it, the more I think it is mostly true. It's like if, if you're stressed, that suggests that maybe it's minutia or sort of the, the totality of demands upon your capacity, your time, energy, attention is, is such that you're tapped out. You know, you're, you're like just meeting your demands or you're falling slightly behind on those demands. And that means you don't have the capacity to to develop, to to jump to the next level, whether that's building the key relationships, whether that's uh, having the space to have a, a good, fun, innovative thought, whether that's uh, being able to invest in your own learning growth development, which which takes a toll in terms of, of, of changing and growing on yourself. And so if all of your time and energy is, is sapped, just kind of meeting the demands of what's in front of you in a day, well, then you're going to sort of stay there until you come up with a better way. So that, that kind of makes me think about one of the, one of the other skill sets that you talked about was the ability to develop relationships, right? And I think, I think we both probably agree that that's one of the core components of being really successful, whether you're, you know, whether it's in your career, whether it's in, you know, whether you're an entrepreneur, whatever it might be, that ability and skill set is so vital. What are some of the lessons that, that you've uncovered around that skill set? Oh, sure thing. Well, there's, there's numerous ones. Well, I'd say the first thing is to start now. Uh, I had a guest, Michael Watkins, who, who had a great quip. I don't know if he made it up, but he said, the time to meet your neighbors is not when your house is on fire. It's like, well said and, and visceral. And I think that's a common mistake is that sometimes we get caught up in doing stuff. You don't take the time to proactively develop those relationships that, that you're going to need until it may be a little bit too late. And, and, and then it seems inauthentic. It's, it's desperate. You, you can't sort of give them maybe the time they need to, to help you out in a way that, that works for them and is, is fun and uplifting. So that'd be the first one is to just start quickly. Uh, another one is that people actually enjoy helping people. And I think sometimes folks think that networking might be a, a dirty word in the sense that, oh, you know, what can I do for them? I, I don't want to sort of just just take, take, take. Uh, I, I don't want to, you know, bother or inconvenience them. But often, you know, if you have a, a specific targeted request, especially one that is easy to to fulfill and can make a big impact people generally love helping out with that. I, I love it. Like one time I introduced two people, took me three minutes. They're, they're good friends. They've done business deals together. They were at each other's weddings. And it's like, cool. I, I got to make a difference with, with such a, a tiny bit of effort. And, and it feels fantastic to do that. So people really do enjoy uh, helping one another. And, and there's no shame in, in making that request. I had a fascinating 
observation uh, just a couple weeks ago. And, and I think it was, I don't know if I maybe got to write a blog post about this, but I had a friend who just posted on Facebook, Hey, I'm checking out Facebook's algorithm. Can you tell me what time it is right now where you are? And so, okay, that's not a very interesting thing to put on Facebook. Hey, what, what time is it? And yet this person received over 100 commented replies, each person sharing what time it was. And I thought, oh, this is so brilliant. And it's because it's so easy to do that. It's like, I could help someone out. In, in less than three seconds, by noting the time and typing it in here and pushing enter, I'm in. And, and so that, that'd be another point is that people do, they like to help and it's good. And one time I had uh, someone reach out to me for some advice about consulting. And, and so we chatted and it was a good, good worthwhile chat. But I noticed he had an extensive notebook associated with all the people that he reached out to to get advice about consulting careers. And I said, whoa, so, so tell me, you know, how many folks like me said, sure. And he's like, well, I can, I can take a look for you. He's like, yes, please do. He crunched the numbers and he determined that 28% of folks he reached out to completely cold on LinkedIn were willing to say yes and have a short chat with him about what a career in management consulting could be like. 28% cold reach out to four people, odds are one of them will, will help you. That's awesome. Just shows you the power of, of being willing to ask, right? And, and, and kind of putting yourself out there, making that ask, you know, you, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. And so there's right. no downside to just saying, you know, reaching out to people, whether they're mentors or uh, people you admire or whatever it is, and just saying, you know, hey, can I get some advice on this? Absolutely. And, and what's interesting, and I think they call it the Benjamin Franklin effect, is when when you ask for advice and someone offers you advice, they actually tend to become more invested in you and your success. It's like they've got some skin in the game now and they want to know how to go. Oh, was there anything else I could do to help? And, and so it, it's interesting. You'd think by doing a favor for someone that would make them like you more. But in fact, it goes the other way, too asking for a favor from someone who then does it makes them like you more. Thank you so much for listening to the science of success. Listeners like you are why we do this podcast. The emails and stories we receive from listeners around the globe bring us joy and fuel our mission to unleash human potential. I love hearing from listeners. If you want to reach out, share your story, or just say hi, shoot me an email. My email is matt at successpodcast.com. That's M-A-T-T at successpodcast.com. I'd love to hear from you, and I read and respond to every listener email. Remember, the greatest compliment you can give us is a referral to a friend, either live or online. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave us an awesome review and subscribe on iTunes because that helps more and more people discover the science of success. Do you want to stay up to date with the latest of the science of success? Find out what we've been reading and get the quick tips you need to achieve your goals. Be sure to sign up for our email list to get our exclusive Mindset Monday email where we share our strategies in quick summaries with our listeners from the few of the latest bits of research and things that we've checked out that have us fired up and can help you achieve your goals. All you have to do to sign up is to visit our website, successpodcast.com and join our email list. 
or text the word SMARTER to the number 44222. That's S-M-A-R-T-E-R to the number 44222. Lastly, if you want to get all this incredible information, links, transcripts, everything we just talked about in this episode, and much more, be sure to check out our show notes. Just go to successpodcast.com and hit the show notes button at the top. Thanks again, and we'll see you on the next episode of The Science of Success. 